Hey, Jason, get up here. Where are you at? There you are. Couldn't find you. This is Pastor Jason Ritchie, the campus pastor at the East Jordan location. Would you welcome him, please? Boom. Yeah, we'll do both. Yeah, yeah we had that planned out, because you didn't tell <laughs> So I, I can't remember if this is the seventh or the eighth time. I'm not sure we did it the first year, but this is either the seventh or eighth time we've co-preached on this Sunday. And I got to thinking, next year, probably we're going to have a trio up here. It, it could get very interesting. Might so need we'll another have, stool. Yeah, yes. It, it's going to be fun. Yeah. Since, since it is our goal, in case you were wondering, to finish by 1130, yeah, we added 15 minutes for this service. Uh, since we want to finish on time, we better dive in. So uh, on your phone or in your Bible, would you please locate 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. Verses 10 and 11. This is one of four key sections, four in the Bible that talk about spiritual gifts. 1 Peter 4, verses 10 and 11. Here's what it says. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others. As faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. That's why they're often called grace gifts, uh, because they're given by grace to us from the Lord. Verse 11, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Each of us here today, from your eyes, who know Jesus personally, if you're a follower of Christ and you're born again, you've been given a spiritual gift. And here's the point verse 10 makes. You've been given a gift. You're expected to discover the gift. We don't always know exactly what our grace gift is from the Lord, but discover it and start using it. And here's what's interesting, to serve one another in the family. Isn't that interesting? You'd you think, no, no, we go out everywhere. No, it starts in the family. It starts in the church, and we use our gifts to love and serve and take care of the body of Christ that he's blessed us with. If you know Jesus, verse 10 says this, Jesus has handpicked a very specific gift for you. Do you understand that? It's not as though randomly it was a draw, it was a lottery. Uh, Jesus said, no, I want you to have this specific gift. And he handpicked that gift for you as one of his children. Slide down to verse 11. Continue on. Peter, inspired by the Holy Spirit, says there's two categories. Seems to be two types of gifts that Jesus picks out 
for us. First type of gift is, look at it, if anyone speaks. If anyone speaks, in other words, they're verbal gifts. They're gifts that are used primarily to to speak to one another in the body of Christ. Uh, That could be with words from the mouth. That could be words that are sung. That could be even in today's world, words that are typed and put online on the website. So they're words that are given to us and now we speak them to one another. Gifts of teaching, gifts of exhorting, gifts of evangelism, prophecy, the gift of encouragement. Those would be examples of that. Now go back to verse 11. There's a second type of gift, and this is more action-oriented, okay? This isn't just words. This is activity. If anyone, it says, serves. So the second type of gift is serving, uh, used to serve one another. That's a huge saying in the New Testament. We're constantly being told to take care and serve one another. The gift of serving or helps or mercy, those are action-oriented, I'm going to do for the other parts of the body in the church family. Now we're going to go to another section of God's book, Romans chapter 12. Locate that on your phone or in your Bible, if you would, please. This is another of the four sections that concern the grace gifts. And sure enough, we're going to stand. If you're able, would you stand with me? We're going to start with verse 3, Romans chapter 12. And we're going to read down through verse 8. You can face them that way. I'll go this way. It'll, it'll all be good, okay? Yeah, there we go. If you give them your front, I'll give them my back, okay? I don't know. You ready? Here we go. This is God's word. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, through many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouraged, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Let's pray. Lord, thank you, first of all, for blessing us with gifts as we become followers of your son Jesus. You give us each a hand-picked gift. Wow. So thanks for uh, showing that in your book. And, And I pray even right now that as we dig into Romans chapter 12, uh, 
that you'll show us clearly what is exactly that amazing gift that you've given each of us personally, individually. I suspect some here today don't have a clue what their gift is. I pray, Lord, you'll, they'll leave either having a pretty good idea of what the gift is, Lord, or maybe hungry to find out. Thank you again. I pray that you'll uh, help us all to find and discover that gift. And Lord, I pray that we won't just leave it unwrapped. My prayer is that everybody here who knows your Son as Savior and Lord would discover their gift and then be ready and willing to use it. Take away the excuses. Lord, we, uh, we need to hear from you. Might Jesus Christ be honored and glorified as we worship you through the study of your word, even right now. And all three locations, one church family said with one unified voice, Pastor Jason, it is your turn, my friend. Some of you may be thinking, uh, as you were listening to uh, the scripture reading and Jeff introducing it, I'm not sure which of the two pastors gave us their better side, actually. Um, I'm not going to try to help you answer that question. I know some of you, though, while he was talking, maybe thinking a couple other things. One, maybe you're saying, wow, I have a gift? A present for me? Like, it's my birthday or Christmas? That's really cool. But I have no idea what it is or how to figure out what it might be. In short, as we read that passage and as we uh, work through it a little bit in the next couple minutes, what I want you to see and highlight is the fact that no matter what your gift is, the key to this passage is dig in. Like that little kid at Christmas that has no idea what's in the gift, but he's ripping it open to find out. That's how you're going to find out what your gift is, is to... Get busy trying to figure it out. We're also going to uh, uh, take a look at these verses that we just read together, briefly looking at each of these gifts in order to kind of take a survey. Uh, this is not an exhaustive list. We're not going to name every gift that's possible in this room, uh, but we are going to start to get an idea of what these gifts are and how they work so that when you dig in, you'll be able to begin to recognize which gift you might have been given by the Lord and which one might have your name on it. Another thing that you may be thinking while you were listening to Jeff talking about the gifts is, you know, I like getting gifts, I like giving gifts, but if it's a spiritual gift, if it came from God, I'm not sure it's going to be really fun to uh, find out this process. In fact, when he talked about helping other people and the purpose of the gift is so that I can do stuff for others, that sounds kind of like getting a vacuum cleaner or a box of oil filters for my, my Christmas present. And that sounds like, more like a chore than a gift. I want to address that thought as well briefly as we uh, talk for a few minutes together. But these gifts are different. And just like our illustrations over there, Pastor Jeff's going to help us uh, to unwrap some of those to uh, help us to figure out what these things might look like, uh, the spiritual gifts that each of us has been given. We're going to also see in Romans chapter 12, verse uh, 6, that there's different gifts that each of us has according to the grace and the particular gift or several gifts that you may have been given and we're going to find different things as we unwrap the package of spiritual gifts that God has given to each of us to use for the benefit of his church family and the world around us. 
And so we're going to see some elements of what these gifts might look like, but it won't be an exhaustive list and it won't confirm. You won't be able to walk out today if you had no idea what your gift was coming in. You won't know for a fact what it is and how to use it until you dig into the package yourself and start putting it to work. But as we look at this passage, uh, Jeff, could you open up uh, package number one over there? That's the big one, and uh, that's the one that probably draws the most attention and looks like it's probably the best. The fact of the matter is, I'm going to spoil it for you, it represents uh, what uh, preachers do more than anything else. And, and I just got to say at the outset, in my opinion... Does this work? I, I think Love it does. Like Jesus. <laughs> I think I might have just made my job harder for myself here for the next couple of minutes. But uh, what, what that megaphone is doing is kind of what preachers do each time they open up God's word in front of his people. And, and that is to amplify, to clarify, to, uh, to cast out in a more understandable way to more people what God has already said. If you look at verse 6, the gift that preachers are using or supposed to be using when they hold forth God's word is the gift of prophecy. Now, I know some of you may be thinking, wait a minute, uh, I see pastors, and really that's kind of the biggest thing I think of when I think about church or going to attend and how it functions. Uh, the preacher gets up and preaches. That's why we're all here, right? Can I suggest to you that the gift of prophecy, in my opinion, is not the greatest gift? And it's certainly not the most important gift. It is very likely the most dangerous gift. It's a little bit like the Red Ryder BB gun. If you're not careful, you can shoot your eye out with it. And so we've got to be carefully handle this gift. First of all, it's easy to assume that uh, as we hear this word prophesy, uh, to get this idea conjured up in our head about a, uh, some sort of a magical fortune teller that, that tells us things that nobody could possibly know. And maybe you've got the idea that if God's going to give a gift of prophecy to someone here in the church... He's going to be the guy that walks up to you while you're worshiping or, or at the water fountain in the hallway and says, I have a word from the Lord, a word of knowledge just for you that God told me to give you. And that message is, I want you to quit your job, sell all your possessions and move to Hawaii now. Now, I don't know how many of you would like to hear that message, but the fact of the matter is, if that's your understanding of what prophecy may be, I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong, but I'm going to suggest to you that God just might. Because in the Old Testament, we see prophets being used in that very way, a, a supernatural a, a idea of knowledge that only comes from God to be passed on to others. And, and if we're going to take ownership of that type of gift of prophecy or assign it to someone else that we're going to listen to, we also have to accept the responsibility and the standard that Old Testament prophets had to line up to. And that was 100% accuracy and correctness in everything that they proclaimed, thus saith the Lord. If you look for a moment in Deuteronomy chapter 18, you'll see an illustration of that. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, this is a dangerous gift because throughout history, it may be that more damage has been done by people claiming to hear God spoke to me and now i got to tell everybody else what he said that you wouldn't hear if I didn't tell you. And then perhaps any other misuse of God's gifts and his word. And so let's make sure we understand. Uh, if God is giving us a word of knowledge that we can't get anywhere else, how we know that it's right and of God rather than 
of a false prophet. Deuteronomy 18 and verse 17 says that, that the words that God puts in the prophet's mouth are good. It's a good message that he wants to give and a good gift to utilize. Verse 18, he expresses that he's the one that puts those words in that prophet's mouth. And so, my people better listen, God says. Verse 19, he says, us prophets, we better get it right. We, there's no room for error when it comes to proclaiming, thus saith the Lord. And the fact of the matter is, we answer to God if, in fact, we step out of line with what he has proclaimed. In verse 20, you see the penalty for a prophet falsely proclaiming what God has said to his people. And it's a whole lot worse than shooting your eye out with a BB gun. Verse 21, there's recorded the words of the people who heard the prophets of the Old Testament. And I believe it applies to uh, each of us today when we hear the words of a preacher proclaiming this is what God's word says. How can we know if this really is the word of God? How can we make sure that what we're hearing is indeed what God is telling us rather than what some guy is making up or trying to manipulate us into thinking? Fortunately, we have the answer. The megaphone, as an illustration, is the tool, the gift of prophecy that is used in preaching or proclaiming God's word. It's not the message. The, pastor's, or the preacher's job is not to make up the message or come up with it or figure it out. It's to pass on what God has already said. How do we as pastors or preachers make sure that we get it right? Thus saith the Lord. Not what we think he might be adding on to that message. And we must be grounded in the truth and foundation of God's word because he has already spoken. And it's our job to amplify and illustrate and communicate that to say this is what God said and what we as his followers need to do about it. So how is it that you can know whether or not your preachers are proclaiming God's word and using the gift of prophecy correctly. Jeff, there's another uh, gift in that bag. If you dig in, you'll see it. It's pretty little. And uh, if you open it up, you're going to find something that every one of us have. We have an element of the gift of prophecy in, in each of us to be used just like those earbuds for personal use. And they're not designed to proclaim to the masses so much, uh, but they can uh, jack in and connect to the very same source of the Holy Spirit and even more importantly, God's word, in order to hear for yourself what God is saying to you and to each one of us, rather than just relying on us preachers. And so if the gift of prophecy is going to be used accurately and well in God's church here in Walloon and East Jordan and Lanson and Northridge, then us preachers are going to have to spend some time being connected to the Holy Spirit and listen to what he has to say and making sure that we're proclaiming what God has already said in his word rather than making up stuff to go with it. But if it's going to work best, every one of us is going to have to daily plug in to the Holy Spirit and to God's word in order to affirm and confirm that what you're hearing on Sunday or Wednesday or whenever else you're coming to be fed is lining up with what God has already said. It's a really cool gift that God uses to guide his people as long as we use it properly. 
and that is on the foundation of God's word. As we continue into God's word, uh, I want you to, to know that if uh, you feel like you may have the gift of, of prophecy in order to preach, can I just point out, we now have three locations, which means there's three different places, four times each week, uh, that somebody's got to stand in the pulpit and say, thus saith the Lord. We have more opportunities than ever before, and if you feel like you have that gift, come talk to us, and we would love to help you figure out how we can develop that gift with you and continue to be used. As we move on to the next one, though, uh, that next gift there, uh, it doesn't look too, like much. It doesn't look very attractive, but I'm here to tell you, the folks who have and use the gift in box number two are the ones who look the most like Jesus. Yeah, Jeff, you are going to want to use those uh, gloves before you dig in. Uh, the contents there came directly from the cleaning closet over at East Jordan Community Church uh, that our volunteers use every single week to clean our building and our bathrooms and our toilets. Go ahead, dig in, see what we got in there. Can, can I just say I'd rather be Pat Sajak than Vanna White? Can I just say that loudly? Okay, here we go. It's kind of fun getting to mess with my buddy and my boss all at the same time. So is, is he's uh, displaying some of those items that uh, uh, represent the next gift. Let's look at what it is in verse 7. Serving. Serving is almost a bad word in our culture. And it's a word that uh, uh, nobody wants to do. You only, you only serve in our country if you can't find anything else to do, right? And you're forced to do it. But the fact is we're all commanded to serve my new scepter. <laughs> I wouldn't swing it too hard. It may still be wet. Sure. It's anointed. <laughs> How many of you have recognized before this moment somebody around here has to serve all the rest of us in the body of Christ by scrubbing some dirty toilets? And the fact is that there's lots of categories. This is an entire category of of uh, gifts, not just one or one role like cleaning the buildings, but it certainly illustrates what God's word says that these are the ones who look most like Jesus. We tend to think that it's the speaking roles, the, the, the preachers and the Sunday school teachers and the Bible study leaders that are, that are the ones who are doing the ministry and, and accomplishing the work of God's church, when in reality, most of the work is being accomplished by those who are willing to serve, usually behind the scenes, oftentimes never even noticed, let alone thanked. In fact, a lot of people who have the gift of service, you may recognize it in yourself when you realize that you're willing to do what other people would just as soon avoid because it needs done, and then you find joy in doing it, and then a lot of these folks, they don't want to be up front. They would hate to come up here on this platform and try and say anything in front of the group of people like this. So they don't want to be recognized. They want to be hidden. And these folks are hard to even catch doing their ministry sometimes, let alone thank them for it. And yet these are the heroes. Continuing to serve, often unnoticed and out of the spotlight, and doing what others would want to avoid. I would ask you for a moment, since we don't get to notice and thank and appreciate these folks very often, would you give it up a little bit for all of our categories of servants in our church that do most of the work around here the church cleaners the kitchen workers the meal preparers 
Keep going for the ushers and the administrators and the bulletin makers, the media managers. How about the facility maintainers, the snow shovelers? Don't get tired yet. This isn't an exhaustive list, but there's a lot of servants in our church. How about, how about the diaper changers and the chair stackers and the tech operators, the phone callers, the ride givers, the quilt makers? These are the heroes of our church. These are the folks that look most like Jesus when they dig into that gift and start using it for the glory of God and the ministry of the rest of the body of Christ. If you've got the gift of service, there's plenty of toilets around here and room for you to join them too. Look at verse 7. We see another gift, teaching. Jeff, if you want to dig into the next box, we all know what that is, right? Teaching, that's where where you instruct somebody, right? Uh, Just like you go to school for and... We need to understand that this is not necessarily the one who knows the most about the Bible or the professional educators, although it could be those. The person with the gift of teaching is the one who can pass on what they've learned, whether it's a little bit or a lot, and it brings growth in the person that learns it from them. It's about life change, not just about communicating information. And so the Awanaverse listeners... And the church teachers, and the children, children, kid church teachers, and the youth volunteers, and the small group leaders, and the Financial Peace University instructors, and, and, and all of the roles that impart knowledge in order to bring change to people's lives. They're using the gift of teaching. And if you think that maybe God made you to change somebody else, that may be your gift as well, and we'd love to use you. If you look at verse 8. And box number four, uh, we see the gift of encouragement. And I know, Jeff, you're going to love this one. Go ahead and uh, pull out those pom-poms, those East Jordan Red Devil pom-poms. And uh, what's the job of a cheerleader? What's, to cheer, right? To encourage, to lift up, to, to say, yay, rah. How many of you could use a little bit of encouragement from our cheerleader, Jeff, this morning? Go ahead, show us what you got. Oh, did you get the skirt? You can shake that. Never mind. I did not. (laughs) The fact of the matter is, it's easy to be a cheerleader, to be an encourager when the team's winning and every shot has fallen in. The way that you might recognize that you have the gift of encouragement is when everything's going wrong, when things aren't working out so good, when your fellow players are missing it right and left and you're behind on the scoreboard and you feel compelled to go and bring encouragement, to cheer for, to cheer up the rest of the team and motivate them towards accomplishing the goal together. If you find yourself, when people around you are having a bad day and beginning to turn against each other sometimes, they're turning to you for encouragement, that might be your gift. And when you find that you see somebody who's walking away from Jesus And you can't help but to go to encourage and cheer them on back to a faithful walk with him. This is probably your gift. And we'd love to help you dig in and develop and use it more. We see in verse 8 the contents of box number 5. This is the little one. And he talks about to those who have the gift of giving, let them give generously. Jeff's going to find a wallet over there and he's probably about to tell me that there's no money in it. It's two dimes. We have learned before, haven't we, that it's not the amount of the gift, it's the heart behind it. Just like that widow who was willing to give everything she had but those two little dimes. 
And the reality is some people give out of abundance and use this gift. We're all commanded to give, and yet some people have a knack for it. Some because they say, I've been blessed with so much, I want to pass it on and bless others. Some give out of compassion. They recognize somebody else needs this even more than I do, even though I need it too. And some give out of just a spiritual leading. There's lots of needs around me, but I'm compelled to be a part of meeting this need. And a whole lot of people among us use the gift of giving, not to give money, but to give their possessions, to give their skills, to give themselves even. And if you have the gift of giving, you probably already know that it's better to give than to receive. And we need you on the team as well. If you look at uh, the next box, in keeping with the next gift listed in verse 8, we see leading. Now understand, leading is not the person who likes to tell everybody else what to do and be the boss in the room. As uh, John Maxwell likes to say, the leader is the, uh, not the one who tells everybody else what to do because he who thinks he leads and has no one following is just taking a walk. And so uh, the shoes are to remind us that it's not just about where we're walking and where we're telling everybody else to go, but looking behind us and seeing if anybody else is following in our footsteps. And that's how you recognize that you have the gift of leadership. Leadership is influence, nothing more and nothing less. And here's the interesting thing. A lot of people begin to recognize they have the gift of leadership because they're heading the wrong direction and they realize people are following them in the way God wouldn't have them to go. Maybe that's how God's going to help you discover your gift this week. But maybe you've recognized that somehow, for some reason, people seem to follow in the direction that you lead. And if that's the case, I want you to know we have a fabulous team of leaders here in our church. I am so privileged and proud to serve alongside the rest of our staff and our board because there's gifted leaders that God has blessed this church to have. And yet, we need you if you have the gift of leadership. The fact is we need leaders, gifted leaders, in every area of ministry in our entire church in all three locations we have more need for leadership now than we ever have in the past. So if that might be your gift, we want you to come along with us and develop and dig in and use it. One more. The last box there, verse 8, includes the gift of mercy. We usually think this is uh, when you have a belt and somebody does something wrong that deserves punishment, you choose not to spank them. And that's certainly a part of the gift of mercy. But it expresses the heart of the gift of mercy even more, which is the compassion enough to be able to recognize the position somebody else is in, to put yourself in their shoes and, and be able to understand and appreciate and encourage with them. <laughs> Thank you for so faithfully demonstrating um, some of the things that I've learned uh, about this gift of mercy. You see, I've had to learn a lot in, in my role as a pastor. Um, it doesn't always come naturally to use the gifts, even if God gives them to you. There's a process of learning it. And to use the gift of mercy, you have to be willing to weep with those who weep. You have to be willing to mourn with those who mourn. And there's eat some things I had to with learn. those who eat chocolate. Uh, I learned uh, fairly early on that sometimes when you're using the gift of mercy and ministering and serving someone who's hurting and struggling 
box of tissues comes in handy. You learn after about the second time when somebody smears snot all over your shoulder uh, that it's better to carry in a box of tissues if you know that that's a situation you're entering into. Helpful tip. You might want to use it if that's your gift. And another one that I learned from my wife that Jeff is enjoying now, uh, the role of chocolate in utilizing the gift of mercy. Uh, she's told me over and over, and I'm just now starting to catch on. Uh, she's, she always says, if you're going to go on a pastoral visit, and there's a chance that there might be a woman who's crying when you get there. Take some chocolate. And I find every time I've done it, it's been a really helpful tip. The fact is, it's a learning process to use our gifts. And probably the thing that I've learned the most about the gift of mercy over the years is what a genuine privilege, despite the heartache that often comes with it, to be invited into someone's life during their hardest, most painful, darkest moments of their life. There's something about that time that when you get to share with somebody, to exercise the gift of mercy, you're not fixing the problem. You're walking with them through that problem. And if you have ever found yourself interacting with somebody in one of those moments of serious hurt or despair or crisis or pain, you may have already discovered that you have this gift. Because if you are interacting with someone in that situation and you have no idea what to say or what to do, you can't fix a situation, but you don't run away, there's a really good chance you have the gift of mercy. And it's a powerful gift to share with others in their time of need. If you have this gift, you might have already learned what an amazing privilege it is to share it with others. You know, the list ends with that gift, and it's easy to wind up ending this list on a downer because of it. But the reality is every one of these gifts is from God, which means it's good and perfect and wonderful. It's some of the best gifts that we will ever receive or experience. It's even better than my favorite Christmas gift from this year. Right over here, it's a Star Wars drone. This thing is pretty cool, I must say. Just the box and the unwrapping of the thing is pretty cool. It'll play some music and have a bunch of lights and do all kinds of cool stuff. And, and I can sit here and admire it if you're like a collector of Star Wars stuff. Maybe that's what you would want to do with it. But the fact of the matter is, this gift, this drone, was designed to be used, not just sit in a box and looked at. And so if I can figure out how to do this here. Uh, how long have you had this gift? Um, I got it at Christmas. Okay. Yeah. How many I, times have you? I think we've tried it twice, right? And um, let's see if I do that, and then. So, uh, word of warning. Push this button. Here we go. Do we have lift off? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you got to do something to make it fly. The good news is I'm not the only one who got one of these in my family, and uh, they're even more fun to be used together. Guys, you want to demonstrate a little bit how these things work? Mm -hmm. Because, it, believe it or not, you won't be surprised by this, uh, we got them on Christmas morning. We barely waited till Christmas dinner was over in order to run to the church with these things and play with them and start to figure them out. None of us had any idea how to use them. I still don't seem to have any idea how to use it, but <laughs> these gifts 
are so much better when you use them the way that they're designed to be used rather than just leave them in a box. These gifts are even better when you use them in company with others. You can even shoot each other and, and uh, do battles and contests, and my kids are ruthless. It's shooting me down right out of the sky. But the fact of the matter is, just like our spiritual gifts, can you imagine how much fun we would miss out on if me and everybody in my family would have left these in the box and said, oh, that's cool. That's a really neat gift. It's so awesome, I don't even want to take it out. I don't know how to use it yet, so I'm not going to try it. I'm going to leave it sit there <laughs> rather than use it for the way that it was designed to be used. Our spiritual gifts, as every one of these uh, lists in, in this passage indicated, it's less about what your gift is and all about digging in and putting it to work for the kingdom of God and for God's glory. Use your gifts, even if you don't know what they are. Like that little kid on Christmas, rip the package open and start messing with it until you figure it out. That's what I'm going to do with my drone right now. Well done. Tag, well you're Well done, it. yeah, yeah, nice. Uh -huh. You get to stay up here. Get back up here. But I want to play with uh, my drone. No, I want you to be my Vanna over up here, yeah. I don't have anything official, but I'll think of something. Uh, Matthew chapter 9, Jesus addresses a challenge that's been testing the church for 20 centuries. 20 centuries. Namely this, give me your eyes. The harvest is huge. We need people uh, to go and reach the harvest and... and Bring people to Christ, but the workers are few. There's a shortage of workers. Matthew 9, 37, then Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are what? Few. So what's the solution? Next verse, Matthew 9, 38. Ask the Lord, pray ye the Lord of the harvest, to send out workers into his harvest field. So the answer is prayer. We need to be praying like crazy because uh, that is God's solution to the shortage of workers is pray and ask the Lord to raise up, touch, nudge, prompt, move in workers' life. Now since the East Jordan location opened 2011, is that correct? We've been praying for workers to step up and use their gifts to empower the church in East Jordan to reach their community. And every time we prayed, it's not like we ever had an abundance, right, Jason? But I, I know that every time we kept praying, the Lord would raise up just the right amount of workers for the harvest. It's a continual challenge to keep praying and asking the Lord to raise up workers. So why are we talking about that today? Why, why is it that we're talking about that here on our once-a-year gathering and once in one service. Because God's plan to reach and change East Jordan and Lanson and Walloon Lake and Boyne City and Petoskey and Pelston and Boyne Falls, I mean this, it's the local church. That is God's plan, New Testament style today. 
He wants to use us to reach northern Michigan for Christ. That's his plan. And now we're uh, just beginning to uh, assemble a team to go up to Alanson and Northridge Community Church. And we're going to be asking, and where did we get this number from? It's the number that we asked when we went to East Jordan. And it, and it seemed to work out. For, we're asking for 50 of you to go up and would you consider and pray about going up so that we can reach Alanson and Odin and Conway and all the communities surrounding Northridge Community Church for Christ. We know, listen close, that means that many who are currently using your gifts here, if 50 of you go, and typically if we have what happened at East Jordan, it's 50 of the really good workers go, you understand what I'm saying, uh, they're going to leave holes that need filling, which means uh, children's ministry is going to lose a number of children's ministry workers. Uh, the security team is going to lose many of the security team members. Uh, Brant and teen and young adult ministry, they're going to lose some workers. Andy's going to lose some in worship world. Uh, greeters and ushers, right Jack? You're probably going to lose some of those. We're going to lose some prayer partners who pray during the service. In other words, if there ever was a time where everybody is needed to get in the game and use your gift, it's now. It's now. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, it's not just you're missing out. You need to know the stakes are huge. Matter of fact, they're eternal in consequence. For us to continue to operate well and have a complete body here, for East Jordan to continue to grow and expand and reach East Jordan more effectively, and for the the church that is up there now, but we want to go and have a relaunch probably around Easter, we need a good number of you to say, you know what, Lord, I think you're nudging me. I'm willing to go, and I'll at least give it a try for one year. That's what we would be asking. I'll say this again. If you know Jesus, if we're going to reach our community, you got to get in the game. Nobody in the stands. We're going to do something fairly forward and uh, a little brash. Uh, but we've got three tables down front right now representing three different locations. I believe over here is the East Jordan location. So Pastor Josh, uh, who's the teens and worship pastor at East Jordan, as well as Kelly Ritchie, would you please come in, man and woman, your table. Uh, over here is the Walloon Lake location table. I'm asking that Dorothy Prins, our children's director, as well as Pastor Brandt, youth and young adults, over there. And now, center stage, we got a new table. So uh, Joe and Kathy and Jim and Karen Bayak, come on down. We'll actually get four of you down here. They're uh, already committed to... Uh, head up to the Northridge location, and uh, they're going to be uh, kind of leading the charge, at least initially. Um, here we go. We're going to ask you 
to consider heading up to one of these tables and saying, here I am, Lord, use me. And I know many of you, we are so blessed. We have a higher percentage of people serving in our church than any church I know. So let me just say, you guys are amazing. But some of you could step it up a level. <laughs> You're doing something here and the Lord might be saying, you know what, it's, it's time to take on a little bigger role. Uh, and frankly, some of you are hiding in the weeds a little. You know what I'm saying? And some of you have got some excuses. And I just want to answer this one common excuse. Uh, you know, Pastor Jeff, I did that. I, I served, but I'm sort of retired. Give me your eyes. I dare you to find retirement in Scripture. Find it in Scripture. Show me where Paul ever retired. Show me where Moses retired. Show me, just keep all the apostles retired. Show me where anybody retired. Here's when we retire, when the Lord calls you home and said, your work on earth is done. Come on home. You're getting the big promotion, and you're going to come be with me. That's when retirement begins. So uh, I love you, but I'm sorry. You've got a gift. We need you. More importantly, Jesus and his church need your gifts. Make sense? Love each of you. It's time for all of us to get in the game. Bow your heads, shut your eyes. Lord, right now um, we praise you because you've handpicked and selected grace gifts for each and every one of us. And Lord, I believe that you've given us a full and a complete body we're not missing any parts. The reality, Lord, is some gifts and some folks who have gifts are a little reluctant. So, Lord, would you give them a little nudge right now? Would you motivate them, challenge them? Lord, go even a step further and convict them to get in the game. Come out of the stands. It's really good to be here on Sunday and cheer and yay and yet lord uh, we need each and every one who knows you personally savior and lord because lord we want to see northern michigan reached most of the people around us in our neighborhoods in our schools at our jobs don't know your son so the majority of folks need to be reached the harvest field is ripe Head still bowed, I got a question. This is the question. Is, is the Lord nudging and prompting you to either get in the game or maybe to step it up? Could the Lord be prompting you to say, you know what? I think the Lord's nudging me to make a one-year commitment to go up to Northridge Community Church in Lansing. I want to be a part of that, that team that's going to launch. Make yourself clear. Got holes that are going to be created here at Walloon. Go over to the Walloon table. I know I've talked to Jason. There's more people serving than ever before, but there's still a shortage of workers. If you're from East Jordan and the Lord's talking to you, would you consider going over there?
Lord, you're talking to me. Just want you to know I'm listening. Would anybody say, hand lifted right now, Lord, you're nudging and prompting and talking clear to me. Would you lift your hand and say, Lord, I'm just hearing you. I hear you. Yeah. Yeah, lots of hands. Anybody else? <laughs> Time to get in the game. Maybe step it up a notch. Maybe you've had a reason to be on the sidelines for a while. Now it's time to come back. I had my sabbatical. Time to get back and rolling again in the game. Right now, I'd like to challenge some of you who said, yep, you're talking to me, Lord. Would you be willing to head to one of the tables? Wherever the Lord, if it's if you're at East Jordan and the Lord's saying, I, I got some stuff I want you to do, or maybe you don't even know your gift, but hey, I'm, I'm ready to discover it. Make your way over there. We'll help you find it. Same is true for Walloon Lake location. Northridge, I'm ready to be a part of that. Now here's where it's going to get a little crazy, and I apologize. We're going to take an offering in the middle of all this. Can you believe it? <laughs> So, uh, ushers, come on down. <laughs> yeah, I know. A uh, little, little crazy. But even while the ushers come, I'd like some of you who said, Lord, you're talking to me, you're nudging me, you're prompting me. Would you make your way to one of those tables? Don't worry. Our ushers are kind of big and strong. You won't hurt them if you bump into them. It won't be a problem. Yeah. So come on down, sign up, make your way to one of the tables. And just before we start singing one last song to King Jesus, uh, Lord, thank you so much for your church. It's a blast. I think the most exciting organization, organism in the world is your church. And thanks that we get to be a part of it. You've blessed us. Thank you for those who are listening well to you. Lord, I pray that you'll work powerfully uh, thank you for the body we have here, a full and complete body. Lord, fill in some of the parts right now. We love you. It's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray all these things. Amen. Just before we sing, Andy, we're a little bit over. I know that's shocking. Um, we cut our song in two. So did you? Did you? Nice job, Andy. Um, when we finish the song... In the gymnasium multi-purpose room, we have a light snack from our friends at BC Pizza. Thank you, Chris and Sandy Nelson. But they've got a light snack ready for you. Uh, make your way there, and about 20 minutes after the final song is done, we'll start our annual meeting. Please come, especially members. Go ahead, ushers. Take, take the offering. Andy, let's sing.